Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, let's begin with verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. You know, notice that word has, has, has. everybody say has. So what does that mean? He has already done it, right? It's in the past. So I'd underline that word has, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. With every, everybody say every. So what does every mean? Every, all, right? Isn't that another word for every is all, right? Are there any spiritual blessings we don't have? What do you think? You guys confident? Right here. We have every spiritual blessing. How many believe the Bible? We believe the Lord, right? Say it with me. Say, I'm blessed with every, with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Now, people read that this say spiritual blessings, so they think, oh, that must mean like, you know, you're talking about like goosebumps, Pastor? You know, spiritual things? <laughs> uh, spiritual things has in things I just can't see. Spiritual things has in this. But let me put it this way. Where did everything come from that's physical? From the Spirit, Right? Everything that we can feel or touch, everything that you and I enjoy, everything that we consume, everything that we drive in, everything that we sit in, everything that we have around us is physical, correct? And where did it come from? It came from the spiritual blessing. So don't make any mistake in reading that verse and thinking, oh, that's just talking about spiritual stuff. And leave it out there. Because when we say spiritual stuff, that kind of leaves it out there that's just... God, it's like God tapped me on the head and blessed me, you know, good son, you're, you're blessed son. It's like some spiritual thing out there. See, sometimes when we talk about certain things, it's hard for us to describe, therefore we keep it to just some spiritual thing out there, just some, because again, it's hard to identify some of those type things. But I want you to understand that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ is what? Every good thing God the Father has for us, everything we would ever need, has already been given to you. You need to see that every good thing you could ever need for the rest of your life, on through eternity, has already been supplied through Christ. Isn't that good news? All of it, it's already done, praise God. All we got to do is pick it from the tree, so to speak. All we got to do is take it when we need it. Amen? I want you to skip on down to verse 15. Let's read verses 15 through 23. This is a, the, a Paul continuing to pray for believers here. So beginning with Ephesians 1 verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now just to reference it, you'll notice there's three things He wants us to have. Notice here, that you may know what is. 
Underline that in your Bible. You ought to. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. That's one thing. The second thing, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance of the saints? So what are? And then the third thing, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power. So notice there's three specific things that the Lord wants for us to have. Now verse 20, which he worked in Christ, now this is what I want to emphasize, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, right? Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. Now notice verse 22 closely. And he put all things under his feet. So what is, everything is under whose feet? Under the Lord's feet, right? Is that who we're talking about? The Lord's feet. So he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now notice here, head over all things to the church. I want you to pretend verse 23 doesn't exist, the 23 there, because it cuts things off. So you see a comma. I want you to notice over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Who is the church? What is the church? The body, okay? Does the Lord have a body? (laughs) Does he have a body, right? He's got a body. Who's the body? We are, right? We are the body and, or we call ourselves the church, okay? So the church is the body. Now, how many know the body sticks with the head? How many would agree? So where is Jesus seated? He's in heavenly places at the Father's right hand. Where are we? We're, we are in him and he is in us, right? So therefore, we must be with him, okay? Is that a fact? It is a fact, okay? It is not, oh, that sounds so pretty. I mean, it sounds so beautiful. We're in him. I mean, we're, we're seated with him far above in you know, heavenly places. No, it is a fact. So here we have... In the throne room, if you could visualize it with me, you have the throne room and you have God the Father, right, seated on his throne. And at his right hand is Jesus, right? At his right hand, he's right there. You and I are seated with him. We belong there, okay? We are in Christ. I belong in the throne room just as much as Jesus does. We are the same. You can't separate the head from the body. We are one and the same. So in other words, we belong. Say it with me. I belong in heavenly places, directly in the throne room, right at my Father's right hand. That's where you belong. That is, the more you think about it, the more you meditate on it, the more you confess it, the more real it becomes. That when I pray... I'm not praying some distant thing, hoping it reaches a distant God. I'm right there in the throne room. What you need to picture is, 
I just turn around over to my left and get on my knees and he's right there. I'm not far away. I'm not way down here and he's way up there. I'm in him, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Flip over a page. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, aren't you grateful for that, that he's abundant in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. What does that mean? Even when we were dead in sin, okay? Even when we were on our way to hell, even when we would have spit in the Lord's face, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now look at verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we again? Now I want you to notice a few things here. I want you to notice three things that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing that we need to get a hold of. Everybody say the word together. Say it again, together. Together with who? Well, together with the Lord and the rest of the body of Christ. Okay? Now, has everybody in the mind of God been saved? Absolutely. He saved everybody. Has everybody received that salvation yet? No. Okay? That's the catch. Okay? Is Jesus coming back to save the rest of them who haven't received him? No. He's done it already, right? He's already saved us. He's already provided salvation. It's already set. So what I'm trying to say is every human being from Adam to the end of the age, the last one born, has salvation been set for them, right? They were raised up together, right? When Jesus, listen to me, you need to picture this, that Jesus' baptism into death and then back to life again, we were in Him, okay? We were, he, be, he took our place, didn't He? Right? He took our place. He became our substitute. And so I want you to notice this word together that shows up again. Go back to verse 4. The God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ. You ought to underline that word together right there. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. There, there's that word again, together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we today? We are seated with Him together in heavenly places. That is where we need to see ourselves. That is the point of view in life that we need to be taken. You know, if you take an astronaut, and we've all seen pictures and stuff of the Earth from an astronaut's point of view out in space, okay? He's orbiting around the Earth, right? Or he could be taking a picture from the moon back when we were on the moon, or even things that we have now can still take pictures from that vantage point. Makes the Earth seem pretty small, doesn't it? You know, 
you do this kind of thing. You know, looks like a little blueberry. It's just this tiny thing floating in space. Now, how many would agree that that's God's point of view? <laughs> I mean, God's point of view, we think the earth is just big and all these things going on, but, but his point of view is, is a much more zoomed out point of view, isn't it? Right? Now, where are we seated? Are we seated on the earth like we are now, or are we seated above in heavenly places looking down at the earth, so to speak? That's where we're seated, right? We are, we are with God the Father in the throne room. We belong there. That's who, where we are. That's what the Bible says. When we begin to meditate on that, when we begin to confess what these scriptures say, we begin to realize that, wait a minute now, even though I go through challenges, even though I'm going through life, and life wants me, the devil wants me to believe I'm defeated. The devil wants me to believe there's no way out. There's no hope. There's no change. There's this, this thing can't, can't be moved. When the fact is, wait a minute now, I'm not just seated there. I need to have a vantage point from my view in heavenly places. That is a game changer. When, it, when, you, when you are reminded of where, who you really are and where you really are from, and when you pray, things change. From our vantage point of being kind of low and small and insignificant here on earth, in that vantage point, sometimes we could say, like um, the Israelites said, we're grasshoppers in their sight. Remember? We're insignificant. These giants, these difficulties of life are too big. How many of you know nothing's too difficult for our God? But see, if we look from the vantage point, oh, there's earth where God created it, certainly he can fix that problem. When we have that vantage point, when we're looking at it from that vantage point, can you see a difference there? It, it is a major mindset in our change. We need to see ourselves from a victorious place, not a weak place. We need to see ourselves from the Lord's point of view, not from our point of view, just looking up. Amen? Amen. Listen, the body is seated with Christ in heavenly places. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. We're seated with Him. Now, the Bible says that we died in Christ. When He was crucified, you were with Him. You were in Him. Now, Christ lives in us now. And his life is our life. Um, let's look here real quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Go there real fast. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now most of you, most of you anyway, could quote this verse. If not, you should be able to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Are you in Christ? If anyone is in Christ, the Bible says, he, this person, is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, notice this. If anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? Raise your hand if you're in Christ. All right? How do I know I'm in Christ? Because I confessed him as my Lord. I received him. In other words... I accepted what he did for me, all right, and I'm in him. And the Bible says that if I'm in Christ, again, who's in Christ? Raise your hand again, all right? Let's keep you active and alive, all right? Listen, 
if we're in Christ, what does the Bible say about us? Look here closely. It says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. Now, I've taught you this before. Maybe some of you uh, aren't aware so much, but a new creation, not an overhaul, not a remake, okay? We're not re... Uh, you know, there's a difference between a brand new transmission and a rebuilt one, correct, Jack? In other words, the, the rebuilt one isn't new. It might look new now. It might run new, but the fact is it's not new. A new creation. Some translations, I like this, refer to that scripture, a new species of being. A new species of being. Something that did not exist on this earth prior a brand new species was created in Christ Jesus, okay? And that's you and me, all right? We're part of that new species in Christ. Say it with me. I am a new creation in Christ. Some of you are not saying that enough in your personal life. Larry and I were just talking the other day. We were talking about sometimes how we can get passive, we can get... Well, passive is probably the best word about our confession, about who we are in Christ. We begin to, most of you know, and I've taught you enough, to not say something wrong or negative, okay? Um, and that was, you know, no, can't say that. that that's, that's wrong. That doesn't line up with the word. But what we get lazy in sometimes is confessing on purpose things, in other words, making a positive confession on purpose according to God's Word. We got lazy on that. We get lazy in our life. We let several days, weeks, and months go by unless it's brought up in a service or some other situation. I'm reading a book or something that tells me to do it. We, we may not do that. Well, guess what? You need to be reminded of who you really are. You're not just an average Joe on this earth that doesn't have any ability or power to change their life. You're not just an average citizen. How can you be average if you're a new creation? <laughs> How can you be average if you're in Christ? Is there anything, let me ask you, is there anything average about the Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing average about Him. You are in Him. He is in you. You need to remind yourself of that continually. And that's one of the reasons we're stirring things up this evening. Let me read this same verse to you in the New Living. All right, listen closely. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. In the other verse, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Say it with me. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Is that literal? Or is it figurative? Is it literal? It's literal, right? It's a reality. It is an old life has dropped or died, and a new person was born. That's where we get born again or born to newness of life in other words i died and see you need to see that the old person you didn't just get overhauled you died literally died in the mind of god 
you were gone and this new person was born. That is something that, that honestly takes a lot of meditation and confession and looking at the Word of God to get to see yourself that way, to really be aware of it all the time, that we are a new man in Christ and I have a new life. See, that's the, the point I want to make talk about tonight is a new way of thinking, a new way of thinking, that an old life is gone and a new life has begun. You and I are in Christ and all things are new. Now, we might say, and I think sometimes, I've done this myself, we think about all things are new and we think about, yeah, yeah, way back when I was born again, you know. At that moment, all things became new. But what we need to understand is we entered a whole new life forever. And we need to examine that in the light of the Word of God to find out how do I live this new life? How do I, if Jesus provided me victory, how do I walk in it? If Jesus provided me healing, how do I actually obtain it? If, he, if Jesus did all these things for me in this new life, how do I actually walk it? How do I, how do I literally live out being more than a conqueror? How do I literally live out being the, where the Word of God says the greater one, greater than sin, lives in us, the greater one? greater than the devil, greater than poverty, greater than sickness, lives in me. The reality of that, being an overcomer. Sometimes, I don't know about you in life, but I, I don't feel like an overcomer. I feel like I've been run over. That I'm overcome. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But see, and, and, and the reality is, is, sometimes we may feel that way, but it is not a truth. It is not valid. But see, the reason we feel that way in a lot of cases is we are not confessing who we really are. We're not, we're not, see, the confession of God's word, listen carefully, the confession of his word on a continual basis brings about the reality of it in our life. The reason it doesn't seem real is because we're not confessing it continually. The more we confess the word of God, now does that make it real or is it already real? It's already real. What I need it see, the problem is it seems veiled to me. I'm in this world and this is I'm in this world and I'm living life and I can see all these things and all these things are happening and coming at me and, and you know, life happens as we, we, we say. Things happening all the time. Isn't it sometimes easy to forget we're victorious? Easy to forget that wait a minute, I'm an overcomer. It's easy to forget that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. It's easy to forget that I have God the Father's ear. It's easy to forget I have authority in the name of Jesus. It's easy to forget a lot of the different things that we learn about this new life. And that's why there must be a new way of thinking. You see, if now I want you guys to listen carefully to this. If we have a new life and there was an old life, then there must be differences. Wouldn't you agree? If we have an old life and we have a new life, there has to be differences. One of the key differences in walking out our new life is our thinking. You see, if our thinking doesn't change, <laughs> we're going to have difficulty walking out this. In other words, if we're still thinking like the old man, even though I'm a new man, am I not going to have challenges? 
That's going to be difficult. We can't think like the old man anymore. We must think like the new man we are now. Our thinking must line up with the new life we've been given is what I'm trying to say. And that is a process. That is something that we need to be constantly at work at, renewing our minds. Of all people, I got a quote from Albert Einstein, okay, on this. You ready? Thinking like we always have is what got us where we are. It is not going to get us where we are going. Now, that's a simple statement, but the fact is it's true. Think about this and apply this, that if we still think like the old person we were, then we are going to act and live like that old person in the middle of our new life. And sometimes that makes people, what? I mean, but the reality is, let let me give you another way of putting this, okay? Let's say you're poor as dirt, okay? Some people might say, I've been there. (laughs) I mean, poor as dirt. What I mean is, you lived in an ugly dump and never had any money and never hardly had any food and barely scathed by all your life and all of a sudden, you win the lottery. And you got $100 million dropped in an account. But you've never lived outside of where you've been. You're used to going to the grocery store and finding the clearance baloney. Hopefully it doesn't have any blue on it or green. In other words, you would find... Remember when they used to sell the dented cans? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or some of the mystery dented cans. You didn't even know it was in it, but it was cheap. And so you say, man, it's only a dime. I don't know what it is, but, you know, for all you know, it could be dog food. But you went ahead and bought it because it was cheap. You know, I'll take, I'll gamble. You know, surprise, (laughs) you know, as you open it up. The fact is, is that you've never lived with any amount of money. If you don't change your mindset, okay, to deal with that, what is going to be your normal action in some things? You're still going to be looking for something dirt cheap. You're still going to be trying to, you're going to find it hard to let loose and enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? If your mindset is strong enough thinking a certain way. Well, what I'm trying to say is, what have we been given in Christ? Every spiritual blessing and heavenly place. That is like you guys winning the lottery. Better than the lottery. And no taxes. You know? We're talking about, I mean, do you, does God have any problem with wealth? What does it mean? Is, is he lacking something? He's God Almighty, man. There's more than enough. My pastor had a dream. This, the Lord was trying to instruct him and teach him on something. And it was about prosperity and thinking a little bit different okay and his mindset was stuck in a certain way and he said in the dream he said i'm sitting at the end of a banquet table and it was gorgeous i mean gold everything filled with every kind of food you could possibly imagine and i mean not the cheap junk i mean beautiful gorgeous just just this buffet thing out in front of me and he says i'm right in the middle of it now i'm really hungry and i reach over and i stick my hand behind a few things and i pull out a peanut butter sandwich and i'm eating that peanut butter sandwich and then he woke up instantly he knew the lord was speaking to him what his problem was what was his problem his thinking 
He was still thinking poor when he shouldn't be thinking. How should we be thinking? More than enough, shouldn't we? We should be thinking abundance. We shouldn't be thinking broke. We should never be, I'm not against, listen to me carefully, I'm not against finding a good deal. But come on, there's times where that's what I want, that's what it costs, that's what I'm going to get. You understand what I'm saying? And if you have a problem with that, then you have a problem in your thinking. You can't, some people just can't do it. I mean, they could not spend more than X amount of dollars on a shirt. Ain't going to happen. If they were billionaires, it wouldn't happen. Why? Because they're stuck in their thinking. You can't, you always, you always go to the clearance first. Always go to the clearance. Well, why can't I just walk in some store and buy what I want to buy when I want to buy it? Does that make me a bad person? Does that make me, well, you understand what I'm saying? And I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I always confess I'm always at the right place at the right time. And what I want, how convenient. It's on sale. <laughs> I mean, how convenient. You know, I walked in here and boom, boom, boom. You know, it's right what I wanted and it's a deal. I confess, buy low, sell high. Okay, I'm all for that. But what I'm saying is you can see how our mindset, how our challenge in our thinking can challenge the Word of God. It can challenge the truth. The truth is, God is my daddy. My heavenly father is the God of all creation. See, we forget it. We forget it. Now, we might worship and think about some things, but we're really not meditating. We're really not confessing. We're not confessing what God says about us in his word. And in his word, he tells us what? That our cup would run over. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I won't lack for any good thing. Amen? That, that he opens the windows of heaven over me and there's so much blessing, I can't contain it. I got too much. Everybody say, too much. You know? Not, not enough, okay? Because that's what sometimes comes out of our mouth. You know? Instead of saying too much, you know? But what I'm trying to say is our mindset must change in order to walk in the newness of everything we have. That's the classic problem most Christians find themselves in. They're a new creation in Christ. All things are new. That is the absolute truth of the Word of God. Yet they still think and continue to live the lower life. In other words, the old life Jesus delivered them from. And, that's, and, and some of them are so deep in it, so low in it, they're still hooked on cigarettes, they're still uh, hooked to alcohol or drugs or whatever habit, sexual problem, whatever it might be that they had a problem with before they were born again. Um, that stuff we, we are set free from. How many would agree? We're set free from all that junk. But it goes even beyond a step further than that. It's thinking about life in, in an entirely different point of view. It's thinking about it from that heavenly space spot. Not from looking up thinking, oh, poor old me. You know? Say I'm a new creation in Christ. In other words, what I'm saying is our thinking must change and we need to be reminded of it like I'm reminding you tonight. Go with me real quickly to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. This reinforces this discourse, Paul, um, writing to the church at Colossus. And in Colossians chapter 3, 
This sounds a lot like what we heard in Ephesians. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 through 3. If then you were raised with Christ. How many have been raised with Christ? All right. If then you were raised with Christ. Now we have a command. Seek those things which are above where Christ is. Where is he? Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm telling you guys, there is so much there when you really meditate on this and ask the Lord to open your eyes. He's telling us a new way of thinking. We can't think like the old man. We can't think from our vantage point, an earthly vantage point. We need to think from our heavenly vantage point or spiritual things, all right? I want to read the same verse to you. This is out of the New Living. Listen to this closely. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I like that. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now listen to this. Think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. The most miserable Christian of all is the one who gets born again, but is never taught any more than that. They're miserable. Anybody know anybody like that? What You may have been in church for years in a certain setting and not heard the kind of things we're talking about and been miserable. And then all of a sudden you hear the truth and like, Dear Lord, this was here all the time. It was there right there in the Bible. The reality is I don't have to live like this anymore. I can be free and full of joy and, and life is good and God's good and, and, and all these wonderful things He's given us. But if you don't know it, You've, you've heard the story before, and I, I'm probably going to quote this wrong, but there was a woman who was a, kind of a, a housemaid for this very, very rich man, but she couldn't read. And she was very faithful to this guy, very, very, very faithful. Well, the family had died, and so she didn't know what to do, so she thought she's out of everything, and for years she went without a lot. Well, one day, somebody was over her home. I think it was a, a lawyer-type person was in her home talking to her, and they noticed this plaque up on the wall. Now, she couldn't read, but she said, oh, it, it, they said, well, what's that up there? And she said, oh, it's a wonderful memento for the person that I used to serve gave me many years ago. And what it was is, for lack of a better term, the rights to every single thing that that guy owned. Now she was living in abject poverty for years and on the wall was a, the ticket to wealth the rest of her life, living good. But see, you can't take advantage of what you don't know about. You, you can't lay hold of it. You can't grab a hold of it. And here's the thing. You can hear it on occasion, but you have to grab it, so to speak, like the wheel of a car, and I'm not letting go for the rest of my life. Meaning that you have to what? Put forth some effort. You need to be confessing. What does God say about me? 
What does his word say? You need to be thinking that way. You need to be acting that way and continue to grow and develop in it. But what happens is we'll hear these things and we might even act on them for a little bit, but then we hear something else and we kind of let that go. And, or we get busy in life. You know, the affairs of life, all the important things that when you come down to it aren't that important. Am I right? I mean, we act like it's the end of the world. After all, got to clean up the yard, got to do this, got to do that. But the reality is, come on. And if it's really getting in your way, I'm going to say this. I've said this so many times, I'm just going to say it. You can mad at me all you want. But if it's getting, if your yard work or the things in your life are getting in the way of your fellowship with the Lord, your time with them, your time in church, then I believe God to pay someone to get it done. And God will add to you so you can, what? Seek first the kingdom of God, not wear yourself out. Amen? Guys, I do that in my own personal life. And God's added to me to where I can pay someone else to do it. There's a lot of things in life I could do. I want you to get this. There's a lot of things in life. I could put extra work in my home. I could do it. But what do I have to sacrifice to do it? It's not worth it to me. It's not worth it. I don't want to be worn out where I can't spend time with the Lord. I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. I'm just going to believe God because I'm keeping my eye on the prize. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if I'll seek Him first and I'll keep my... If I will stay focused, what does the Bible say? He will add what I need to me so I can continue to do that. That's good preaching. Not a lot of amens on it. Boy, it is quiet in here. (laughs) Listen to me. And I bet you every one of you think he's talking to me. And you've got no idea what I'm talking to. You know, and I mean every one of you. I can see it on you. You know what? I love every one of you. How many believe that? I honestly do. I love every single one of you. I want the best for you. I do. I want the best for you. But you know what? I'd be ashamed of a pastor if I didn't tell the truth. And the Spirit of God's prompting me. Amen? <laughs> All right, no one's going to hold a grudge against me. See, I can't be offended, Pastor. Now, let's say it like you mean it this time. Ready? Say, so I can't be offended in Jesus' name. You need to mean that. I can't be offended. Yeah, I can't be. Amen? I cannot be offended. And if you can get to the point you can't be offended, the devil's just lost the target. When you get to the point you can't be offended, he's going to have a hard time working on you. <laughs> I, know by, I know by fact, because I guarantee I've had more opportunities to be offended than anybody I know. And I mean, and I've come to the point, I'm not going to be offended. I don't care who does what, how, what I heard, I don't care. And I mean, it, it, when I got to that point, I can't be offended. The devil lost a lot of power in my life. He just not much he could work with, you know? Amen. All right, so we have a new life in Christ, a new way of thinking, a new focus in life. We're to be focused on heavenly things, the Bible says, as opposed to earthly things. Now, before I go into, well, what are heavenly things? What, what is he talking about? You know, we're going to save that for next week. I want to do something here. I want to put the word into action. Can we do that? All right, so I want you to do me a favor. We looked up 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I want you to look up Ephesians 2, 10, 
and 1 John 4.4, 4, really fast. Ephesians 2.10 and 1 John 4.4. 4. I really felt like the Lord was prompting me, put the word into action. I want to show you what I mean. How do we change our thinking? Bottom line is this. We change our thinking by taking God at his word and confessing what he says about us and make it part of who we are. That's how we become more spiritually minded. How many would agree we need to become more spiritually minded? We, how, what's earthly minded? We're just so caught up in life. How many would agree? And it seems that you ever, you, you, come on, y'all been there. When it, when, it, when it rains, it pours. It just seems like sometimes life just, it seems like, dear Lord, I mean, it's like we're doing fine, we're going along, then one thing hits you, and then all of a sudden it all dumps at one time. Well, what we need to do is react to that with the Word of God and say, devil, you're not getting me off course. Why, what does the devil want to do? You heard me talk about when, I, when we talked about the first part of how to discourage discouragement. What's the first thing we do? We run to God not try to separate ourselves from him. That's exactly what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to overwhelm you with stuff in life until you finally say, I just have to say it. I need a break. And your, your, your church attendance starts sliding. Your faithfulness to different things starts sliding. In your own personal life, it's already slidden. See, when someone starts backsliding from church, and what I mean is they just aren't as enthusiastic, they start slowly backing out, that tells me it's already happened in their personal life. This is a man. See, everything manifest, Everything starts in your heart and eventually manifests on the outside. And so, everybody say it with me. Say, that's not me, Pastor. I'm on fire for God. <laughs> All right, now what I want to do is I want to show you real quickly how to create a confession and this is what we do we're going to take what the word of god says so real quick ephesians 2 10 look with me ephesians 2 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them can you see that the word is telling us what what god created us for right we are whose workmanship his workmanship he's the one that created us all right he designed us he gave you your personality he gave you your talents and your abilities and what makes jack jack cindy cindy and larry larry and 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 gary gary okay aren't you glad they're not all the same man we'd have a rough life you know i'm glad we're all different i'm glad we're we all have different boy it'd be boring meals if we all liked exactly the same thing all the time right I mean, we'd be eating chicken all the time if Larry was the one that we were following. No, I'm just kidding. He already eat chicken all the time, but it'd be something fried. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, so we see Ephesians 2.10 does what? Ephesians 2.10 is showing us some about what God, how God sees us and what he has for our life. What does he have for our life? He has good works planned for us, right? That's what he wants to use us. That's what it says. We're created for good works in his plans. And then it goes on to say, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. He's had this set up a long time, guys. If you think you snuck up on the Lord, you know, maybe your parents said, well, you were an accident. I don't mean in a bad way. 
I just mean they didn't plan you, okay? God planned you. You understand what I'm saying? There's no person that was an accident. There was no person that was a mistake. God planned for them, amen? Now, you don't need to turn, but 2 Corinthians 5.17 again reveals something about us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All right? So that tells us how God sees us, what life is really, what it is he has for us. And then look with me at 1 John 4 4. I love the beginning of this one. 1 John 4 4. You are of God, little children. I love that right there. I mean, say it with me. I am of God. Now say this way, say, I am a child of God. Isn't that exactly what that scripture starts out with? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Notice the have. What does that mean? It's already done. Jesus already defeated the enemy. We're in him. Listen, Jesus' defeating of the devil is our defeating of the devil. Okay, we're in him. So have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. All right. So now we saw three. How many scriptures? We saw three scriptures. All right. And what we're doing is we're looking at these elements. So if we were to meditate on them, if we were to write out a confession, it could be something like this. Okay. Say this with me. Say, I am God's workmanship. He made me a new creation. He created me in Christ Jesus. I see myself as God sees me. I see myself in Christ. Greater is He who is in me than He that is in the world. The greater one is greater than the devil, greater than disease, greater than poverty greater than death, greater than all the power of the enemy. And he lives in me. The greater one had made me a success. I cannot fail. Now, listen, didn't that charge you up? Now, listen, do you see what we did? We just searched in the Word of God and got three scriptures and kind of combined them some into one long confession. This is something I challenge all of you to do. You do not have to count on me handing you confessions or even going to get a book on confessions, even though there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, wherever source you get it from, praise God. I love the fact that uh, Jack here was passing out those confession books all over the place. The key is, are people confessing them and are they doing it consistently? Well, I did it for three days and I didn't see any changes. You might need to do it for a year. You know what I'm saying? But you got to stay at it and stay at it and stay at it and stay at it. But what I'm encouraging you to do is read, the, you know, go through Ephesians. And as you see a couple of scriptures, they pop out to you, underline them. And then go back to them and create some confessions.